I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. In studio with me is Living Peace, Kaya Conti. Kaya, I'm really excited to have you in the studio with me. If people want to join the conversation, it's 866-391-1020 or the Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkradio.com, or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line, the best deal in Pittsburgh. Let's go to Michelle from Baltimore on line one. Michelle, welcome to KDK Radio. Hi, thank you for having me. Hello, Kaya, uh, Dr. Conte. Question for you. Um, I was diagnosed with acute psychosis with depression. Don't know exactly how I got here, but I want to know, how do you diagnose that? I mean, is it through testing? Is it just through interviewing a person? And also, I mean, how do you treat it? Is it, is it, does it always have to be um, through use of prescription drugs? Or could it just be conversation, you know, therapy, uh, therapeutic uh, conversation with someone? And are there, is there a chance of recovery? Those are great, great questions. No, 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 no. Yeah. Those are great, great questions. So I think here's here's my thought on the whole idea of diagnosis. Look, sometimes it's helpful for people to get some sense of a label and say, oh, this makes sense why I might be feeling the way I'm feeling. In other words, sometimes that depression probably gets to you and you think, why do I feel so down? Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm not doing anything wrong. So why am I feeling so down? And in those moments, it might feel comfortable to say, okay, I have this diagnosis and this is the reason why. The other thing that having a diagnosis does is it helps us figure out a course of treatment. So you mentioned great, uh, great courses of treatment. Sometimes it's medication and sometimes that's extremely helpful for people. Look, at the end of the day, what medication does is if we just think our neurons are talking to each other, our brain nerve cells are talking to each other. And sometimes that communication is off. So what some some psychotropic medications do is help realign that communication. So sometimes that's really helpful. That so it can be. I would never say you know over a radio, hey, do you you need this or you don't? We haven't even met yet. But the mm-hmm. other piece is the talking part, and that I'm a little bit more quick to say. Yeah, I think we could all benefit from that because I think if you heard me earlier in the show, I think we all have issues, and I think we could all talk out our stuff. It's tough enough to go through life with what we have going on in our minds. So being able to talk it out, I think helps tremendously. Have you had, um, have you had, have you found anybody that you enjoy talking with uh, like a therapist counselor? No, no, I have not. Um, You know, I've been pretty busy. Haven't really had a chance to to talk about that. I mean, are you available? I mean, no, uh, no, I appreciate that. I'm 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 not. I'm traveling a ton right now, but I do think that I mean. Oh. And you're in uh, and uh, you're in Baltimore. Yes, yes. Are you passing through Canton anytime soon? Oh man, I tell you it. what, I would. Uh, I was gonna go, but I have I have another place to be. But I'll be with him in spirit. Uh, 
Uh, okay. But yeah, thank you yeah. so much, Michelle. Really appreciate your call. Um, such a great question um, from from Michelle because when we get a diagnosis, sometimes we can get really frightened by it and say, "Oh no, I have this," or "There's something wrong with me." And I really, I really frown upon people thinking that there's something wrong with them and instead say, "Oh, I have this." obstacle that I'm going to go about now. There's an uh, it's an obstacle. And when we look at it as an obstacle, then we're more we rely on our strengths to get through it. And that is a really powerful point. So for instance, some of you, you might be out there thinking, "Hey, I'm really struggling with sadness and I don't understand why I'm so sad." You know, I'm doing things right, I'm I'm, I'm eating well, I'm exercising, so why am I feeling sad. Well, there are physiological reasons, physical reasons why you might feel sad. And sometimes having that diagnosis of depression, you understand, oh, this is why, because I'm not getting as much serotonin or dopamine. And so this is why I'm feeling this way. So really, really important stuff. I super appreciate that call. So Kaya, we're going to talk a little bit about, think about all the teenagers, all the parents out there who have teenagers and grandparents out there who have grandchildren. So I think this is a great opportunity to really get a perspective from someone who is a teenager right now. That's such a scary age. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. bit. (laughs) (laughs) Why is 13, why is it so scary for people? Well, I think as you hear on um, on all the medias all the time about teenagers just being like these, just like they can just act out on just the most random things. And you're worried when you when you start being a teenager, you're worried. And like, am I gonna start? Am I gonna start being like this? Am I gonna start just like ra- raging, like acting out at just random things? <laughs> and what have you learned? What have you learned about why you might feel off at times? Sometimes, um. There's a the part of your brain that um that uh, deals with emotions is called your limbic system and sometimes um sometimes you just um sometimes you're just you're hungry or you're tired or you just but um you don't know how to express that so instead you just kind of you um through your limbic system you just act out and you are upset or you're angry or you're sad and you don't know why and it's really probably just because you're you're hungry or you're tired and you just don't know it. That's an excellent, excellent answer. Um, I agree with you 100%. So sometimes it's people are, are trapped in the limbic system. So here's something really neat to learn about the brain. So the, and as I, you know this, I know you know this, but the human brain doesn't fully form until you're in your 20s, maybe mid-20s, maybe even some people say your late 20s. So what does form, this is really interesting to learn. So let's say there, there was a man named Paul McLean who came, had a, a triune model of the brain. It sounds so fancy, but here's what it is. We, the first part of our brain, that reptilian part of our brain, that's our breathing and heartbeat. You know what part of the brain that is? Breathing the, and heartbeat? The, the, um, the brainstem. Yep. That's exactly what it is, the brainstem. <laughs> so breathing and heartbeat. So yeah, so we, and then we have the emotions. They come into play, and that emotional centers develop next. And then lastly, that thinking. So what you're talking about is people get caught up in that emotional part, in that emotional part of their brain. Now, we have a whole lot to talk about regarding 
the emotional part of the brain and being a teenager and reasons why teenagers might do the things they're doing and how you can best help them. If you want to be a part of the conversation, it's 866-391-1020 or on the Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkradio.com or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA. Hey, this is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. In studio with me is Kaya Conti. Kaya, thanks for being here tonight. Sure, always. Hey, look, maybe you have teenagers. Maybe you have teenage children. Maybe you have teenage grandchildren, and you have some questions. If you want to give us a call, it's 866-391-1020 or on the Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkradio.com or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. Let's go to Donna on line two. Donna, you're on KDKA. Oh, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a very good friend who has lost her grandson, um, he was 25, lost him to uh, suicide. And I don't know what to say to her. I mean, we're together, you know, periodically. And uh, she's really distraught over this, and I, I need some help on what to say to her. Yeah, I'm so, so sorry to hear that, both for you, for your friend, and, um, and yeah, and for your friend. I'm really sorry to hear that. Right away. When someone commits suicide, we have no idea what to say or what to do because it's so scary. First of all, we're saddened beyond belief, and that impacts us so deeply. And that feeling of being frozen and not knowing what to say, if you've experienced that, guess what? She experiences that. We all experience that. So what I have found through the years is to just say that. You kind of express exactly where you are. Like, I wish I knew what to say right now. I wish I had magic words to say because I'm just, I'm at a loss. My heart's just broken. Oh, oh that makes sense. Yes. So you, yeah, because I don't know what to say. Right. But you, but do you care about her? Oh, so much. Yes. Are you, yeah. are you lost for why this happened? Yes, we're all at a loss. I mean, she just can't. She can't figure out why it happened. Yeah, and no. Eve. So you're you care about her, and if we could even hear in your voice how much you just described, how much you cared, we could hear that over the radio. So imagine in person or on the phone, you giving her that same love and compassion that you just showed right there, and saying, "I care about you. I love you. I wish." There were words. I don't have words. I wish I had answers. And the reality is this, even though many people search for answers about why someone chooses to commit suicide, the reality is that I have found over the last 20 years that even when people have an answer for why, it doesn't take away the pain of still having lost that person. So yes, sometimes it gives a little bit of a, okay, our our brain that made sense for us for a minute. And we had a caller earlier, PK, who made a great point that once the brain wants an answer, so it gets an answer. But the problem with something around this 
deep is that even if you know, okay, it's this is the reason why, there is still a deep, deep sadness in your friend's life for having yeah. lost her grandson. And that that pain is can't just you can't just take it away. You can't fix this. Yes, I, I understand. Yes. So, well, thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for calling in. I think that that's a really, really powerful, powerful call. So thank you so much. Um, my heart now goes out to both Donna and her friend and that they're her friend's family. Uh, because, look, when someone commits suicide, it's scary. It's scary, and the impact is so big. I was talking to a woman who was suicidal the other day, and I was saying to her, I want you to understand the impact that you would have. And she was struggling and she was in such a tough spot and so much pain. And she said, people don't care. And I said, you know what? I already care. Like you, you can't change that. I already care. And she said, well, you're working with me, so you have to care. I said, no, I don't have to care. I'm, my job is to work with you. My job is not, I don't have to care. I do care. I genuinely care. And I think people want to hear, I know people want to hear and know that they're connected. So yes, it's so sad. It's so overwhelming, but there's no one real quick answer. And even if we did have that answer, it doesn't take away the fact that Donna's friend is still going to be suffering in pain saying, I lost my grandson and I, 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 I wish I had him back. That hurts. That hurts so badly. See, I think that the reason why we want an answer sometimes is we want to be able to fix it. Because if we can give the answer, we can fix it, the person can be better. And that comes from a beautiful, wonderful, loving, compassionate place. There's nothing wrong with wanting to take away other people's pain. The problem is we can't actually do it. So what we can do is let them know exactly what's going on inside of us. And sometimes what's going on inside of us is fear that we can't help them. We can't save them. We can't fix them. So definitely my heart goes out to Donna, her friend, and their, their, her friend's family for sure. I mean, what a sad event. Look, I also wanted to reiterate too, I wanted to come back to uh, Michelle and I really hope Michelle's still listening because she had asked can I come talk to you? Maybe I'm not an option to talk to as a counselor, but there are countless wonderful counselors out there. There are countless wonderful counselors out there. And look, all counselors don't match with all people. So in other words, I might be a wonderful fit for a lot of people, and then there might be someone who comes along I'm not the right fit for, and that's perfectly okay. Any counselor who's really um, experienced and effective understands that they might not be the counselor for everyone. So they will be real open to saying, hey, listen, if I'm not the best fit for you, let me help you find someone who is. Now, when you find those places who say, no, you must stay at our facility and all that stuff, then you can be a little leery. But for the most part, uh, counselors are really well aware they're not going to fit with everyone. So you don't have to think, if I go to the first person and that doesn't connect, then I'm done. I don't ever have, I'm not going back because it could, you could go back and back. In fact, I want to tell you a quick story that would 
relate to going to see a counselor. I remember a woman came to see me one time and I was the fifth counselor that she had come to see. And she was so agoraphobic. In other words, she was afraid to be out in public and be around people that her last experience was she was at a gas station. She had to put gas in her car and someone from her high school saw her and she, she, he knew her and he went to say hello to her. And she said, I panicked, my hands sweat everywhere. I ended up spilling the gasoline everywhere. I kind of just ran in my car. And then I realized I went home, I was going to shut myself in the house. And I said, I've tried talking to uh, five different counselors or, or, or four other counselors. It didn't work. And so I thought I'm done. And then all of a sudden she said, I can't, I've got to try this again. And she came and saw me and I said to her, you know what? Your courage to come back to uh, even after you've had gone to four or five different experiences and they didn't work. And then you still had the courage to come in. That's amazing strength. And she ended up being very successful, very successfully handling the anxiety that she struggled with. She actually went on to finish school and become a phenomenal counselor. And she impacts a tremendous amount of people today. But what's fascinating is it's, we go, sometimes I see it's a lot. Someone doesn't connect with a counselor, so they hurry up and give up. No, counseling doesn't work. Well, no, that's not true. Maybe that particular counselor wasn't the best fit for you, but that counselor might be a wonderful fit for lots of other people. But be open to that. So be, don't, don't set yourself up for failure and say, if the first counselor doesn't work, then I'm done. Please keep trying because these issues are tough. These are tough, tough issues. That issue of suicide can be so scary. Look, maybe you have a uh, grandson, granddaughter. Maybe you have a teenage son or daughter. Maybe you're worried about them. Maybe you're worried about, you know, what's going on in their world. And tonight we have my daughter here with us who is 13. And so she can help us talk things out from that perspective. And coming up after the break, we're going to have more conversation with her around what it's like to be a teenager and what might be going on in a teenager's mind and how you can connect with your teenager or a teenager in your life. And if you want to call in and talk about it, if you have a teenager you want to connect with, 866-391-1020, or you could reach us on the Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkaradio.com. Or you can text us on the right automotive text line at 866-391-1020. Look, you don't have to go through this experience of life alone. We're here to help. And there are a lot of people out there who want to help. We talked briefly about validation. We're going to talk more about validation. But one thing you're going to see is that a whole social media has developed because people want validation. 866-391-1020. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti. In studio with me today is Kaya Conti. Kaya, thanks for being here. Well, sure. Always. Hey, listen, maybe out there you have children, grandchildren who are teenagers. And you wonder what the heck are these teenagers thinking? 
What's up with these kids nowadays? If you want to join the conversation, you have questions about what might be going on in your teenage son or daughter or grandson or daughter's life, give us a call, 866-391-1020 or on the Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkradio.com. Or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. So, Kaya, uh, let's talk about this, this whole teenage, what's going on with the teenagers? What What's going on in the teen world? Not much. <laughs> Just kind of hanging around. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of issues, what kind of issues are teenagers, what, what, are parents, what do you think parents and grandparents are worried about with their teenagers? Well, I think a really big issue right now with teenagers is um, social media. With all the, um, a lot of kids right now, um, they have supervision on a lot of things that involve face-to-face contact, but a lot of kids aren't getting the, um, a lot of people in, actually a lot of people in um, former generations didn't have the, um, didn't have the technology that we have today. So they didn't need the supervision for the technology that we have today. That's true. So they don't know how to give supervision for the technology. So a lot of kids um, don't have supervision for technology this day, these days with um, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, and they can just do anything they want. And no one, their, their parents and grandparents, they don't, they don't see it. Well, so that's a really phenomenal point because when I, when I was young, my parents didn't have to worry when we were out riding bikes in the neighborhood that we could somehow take an image that could instantly be shared all over the world and then never taken down. Someone has a, an absolute permanent evidence of this moment and your generation has grown up. You, I mean, for instance, even with even in the best of intentions, even in the best of intentions, I have thirty six thousand pictures of you on my phone. Sometimes I will take a picture of you sleeping, and now you have. Wait, I'm not what? posting it. <laughs> I'm not posting it, but I'm saying where there's so much more access to being able to take pictures. So you are absolutely right, and then you just made a spectacular point. Because we didn't, because a lot of parents and grandparents didn't have this, they don't really have the means to supervise. So they think, well, that's okay. They're just on this social media. It's not a big deal. But what could be the big deal from it? Well, an, a, a, a really interesting thing about is that they they've never really seen that what that that um, that social media that they're using. A lot of adults don't have Snapchat. I mean, some do, and that's perfectly normal. It's fine, but like it's not really common that you see um, kids' parents on Snapchat, so they don't really know how it's used. And um, I bring up Snapchat because I'm not really on it a lot, but a lot of kids are, and it's it's a lot more intimate than you than it looks from an appearance. Okay. It, um, so you know, it, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of people um, take um, talk, texting one on one, and you have and a lot of parents have no idea about it because they'll check their kids' messages and their kids' calls, but they don't check the Snapchat, which is actually just another version of texting. So this is like another way parents. I mean, that's another way kids could connect with people maybe they're not supposed to be connecting with. Right. And so one of the things that I worry about, and I've talked to you about this, but I'd love to get this message out there for parents and grandparents to teach your your children and grandchildren is this. I've made you really well aware of this, and it's because it's who I work with. It's who I've, uh, I, I deal with on a regular basis. But there are those predators out there, those people who pose to be 
kids and they'll want to, you know, hey, listen, I, I they'll put up a fake profile picture and they'll try to draw you in. So let me ask you this. Do is there education, for instance, at your school about that there could be people posing to be kids who really aren't on things like Snapchat, which is you made a great point because I don't know about that. Um, you know, I don't think they did as much in previous generations, but they actually they actually do a lot now. They do. Um, we have several online programs that we have to complete that we have to get like a certain number of answers correct, or we have to redo it. That um, they really want kids to understand that the internet can it can be very dangerous. Okay, so I want to come back to how would you. I mean, you know, it might be a little different because we have a pretty open line of communication, but how might parents go about learning about their kids' Snapchat, for instance? Well, um, I know some parents, uh, other parents that um, they like, they, they'll, they'll check their kids' phones, are they um, often, or that some kids can't have their phones after a certain time at night, or other, um, I don't know, everyone has different rules for phones, but some parents just Free, free roam across the internet. And I think I'm hearing you say that that's, even from a kid's perspective, that's probably not a good idea. Right. And so here's what I love about this. A lot of people out there, let's say they're young people listening, they might say, well, she's just saying that because her dad's sitting there. But the truth is, I have sat one-on-one in sessions with people when no one else was around, and I have heard people say, in fact, the, the first person who's coming to my memory was, I once sat with a 20-year-old young man. He was uh, arrested. He was in a county jail when I met with him. I, I had known him before, but I, I went and visited him in this county jail, and he was his tears were overwhelming because he was facing a 10-year prison sentence. And he said, I, quote, I wish my mom would have disciplined me. He said that as he was pouring out tears. So I think that it is really genuine that you're... I think it's genuine because I do think that we want guidance we want people to say look out for us and so i think it's as long as parents and let's come back to uh let's say the point even pk made earlier tonight which was let's find that common ground so let's say parents want to connect with their kids around snapchat i think what i'm hearing like what, what i'm putting together is hey Kaya, let me see your, I would love to learn about your Snapchat. Like, I want to learn about that. I want, I'm interested in your life. Like, teach me about that. Is that a fair approach for? That's an excellent approach. In fact, I think that's, that's one of the problems that kids will actually, if you come at um, a child or a teenager, any, a different, in a different approach that's maybe more aggressive, they'll actually start to be, do more of that stuff, do more and more. They'll start to free range further on the internet and they'll start to do more and more um, sneaky stuff without your permission that they probably should ask for. So if you come at someone saying like, give me your phone, let me see what you're doing. What are you doing? Why are you looking at something like that? Or something there. I love you bringing this point up because when it's like magnets, the opposite ends of magnets pushing each other away. So when parents come at their children like that and they say, and then the kids shut down they go the other way as you say they go the extreme opposite way now the parents get mad and say well the kids are being bad but the parents don't realize wait a minute my approach was pretty aggressive coming at them and had i come at them with a more with my leading with compassion as i always tell you i'm only i'm your it's my job to teach you in this life so when i tell you something i'm telling you because 
I'm here to teach you and I tell you why I'm doing what I'm doing. So I think that would be a good lead in for parents. I'm doing this because I care about you. I love you. And I want, I want so badly to keep you safe. That's an excellent point. Yes, that's definitely, you definitely should approach with compassion because that's, that's, um, it's important. Again, it's important for, um, teenagers, especially to be heard because, you know, if, if you're not heard, you just feel like I have all these frustrations. What do I do? Just throw them on the internet. And you see that a lot with kids acting out very, very impulsively on the internet. You see, you see all kinds of crazy stuff going on with, um, <laughs> you know, kinds of um, back and forth on publicly, and you're just like, what? Right, right, right. Because they, so what they have, they're saying, well, I don't know what to do with these emotions. I can throw them out there to the public, and then I get a reaction from the public. Maybe I even get the validation that I might have been seeking even from my parents, but now I'm getting it from strangers, so I feel good, so that becomes reinforced, and I keep doing it. This is awesome, awesome. We're going to continue more with Kaya about this. I absolutely love what you're saying. 866-391-1020 or the Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkradio.com, or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the Right Automotive text line. This is Emotional Management. I'm Dr. Christian Conti on KDKA Radio. We're back. This is Dr. Christian Conti. This is Emotional Management and Kaya Conti. Kaya, before the break, we started talking about the dangers that can occur on the internet, social media. So first of all, let me just let parents, grandparents, any listeners out there know, if you have a question for us, it's 866-391-1020 or the Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkradio.com or you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. So Kaya, you brought up some really wonderful points, but you were going to add a little bit about that go ahead um when kid i was yes i was gonna say when kids are when kids come on and they lash out on the internet and they say all these impulsive things when their parents are not giving them the validation that they want they're really they're not all they're not constantly seeking validation but they're really they don't they don't know what how to handle validation or what it is because it's not really something you pass around a lot it's not a common word you see in younger vernacular but um, a lot of kids, they're really just looking for the attention because it's not just validation that they're not getting from their parents. It's the attention and they want, they want attention. They want people to say, just, they, they just want to be heard by people, not just in a validation way. Like I get that, but in a, just like a, oh really? Well, like really heard, like really heard. Well, first of all, I love that you know the word vernacular. That was cool. <laughs> you used it well. Thank so you. listen, the other part is you're right. So it's not, it's, it's, I want to be validated my emotions. I want people to say, I'm so sorry you're feeling that way, or I identify with how you're feeling or something like that. But they also want to hear the gossip. They want to hear what they have to say. So do you know that there are evolutionary roots for gossip? I think I did a little bit, but tell me more about this. <laughs> okay. I will. <laughs> you're an awesome co-host. Well, thank you. Uh, so the, you're the only co-host I can actually just openly say, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> And I really I love you too. Uh, thank you. So uh, there. So listen to this. So let's imagine we're back in let's say 10,000 BCE, and we are there are two. We're we're in our own tribe, and we come across another group of people, and we want to learn about what they're doing to survive. 
we start passing forth and exchange, passing back and forth information. We exchange information. And the more we exchange information, the more we're able to survive in a more effective manner. So I believe that's just kind of my own hypothesis here thrown out there. Thank you. So I think that we are biologically hardwired for gossip to want to know more. Give me the juicy scoop. Let me know what's going on. (laughs) How are you surviving today? (laughs) (laughs) How I (laughs) survive.com. But no, or uh, hashtag, I messed that up. But listen, that's one of those things that we're just not used to. But I, I think that it comes back to when you don't get what you're looking for at home, you might search elsewhere for it. Such as the internet. Right. And on the internet, you can find absolutely anything. Do you remember what the term confirmation bias is? I do. Tell, tell us what confirmation bias is. Well, confirmation bias is when you're already looking for something before you find it. Um, maybe just unconsciously or consciously. Maybe you, like you go to look something up and you're just genuinely looking for it. But confirmation bias is when... You're unconsciously looking for something like you you you're trying to make a point and you start to look through stuff to look for it and you come across something very similar and you're like oh see like I it's it's right here right right Maybe. so when you you find what you're looking to find so on the internet if you're looking for someone to support your opinion you will keep searching until you find the opinion that sits with you and then you'll say, hey, look, see, I'm right. I'm right about this. And that's what happens with teenagers, right? We say, look, I need to find somebody who completely agrees with me, and then I can say, you get me. You get me. So tell me more about things to be mindful of. Um, A couple things that are really important to have on the internet is you have to be mindful of not everyone is who they say they are, and every no matter how genuine things might look, the, everything on the internet is not what it seems. Even if, um, even on my my own stuff, it's if you if you looked at my Instagram, you would say all this girl does is eat donuts and go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. So let's take that to what parents. So I'm going to bring this point into what parents might make their children aware or might be aware of for their children. So here's a real thing: some people are getting struggling with. A, a a depression or depressive symptoms because they are going through social media and they're believing that everyone else is living this wonderful, happy, joyous life with no issues. And so something I would caution parents and grandparents out there to check in with their teenagers with is this. Sometimes your teenagers could be struggling because they're looking at other people's Uh, pages and saying oh look how great so-and-so has it they live they're on a boat smiling every day like that's (laughs) that's their lives the thing thing to remember is that no no one ever posts about something i mean some people might post about something tragic but no one ever posts about like a daily issue that they have right right yeah well and well right i get what you're going with because i mean i think i see a lot of people's lunches and things like that posted <laughs> as if but well, other, because... other than that i mean like not everyone posts about like every argument they have every i mean people post like mostly about the good stuff because right. they want that's what they want their internet front to look like they want to look like someone who doesn't have a lot of issues exactly exactly yeah so 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 parents to be mindful that teenagers could be looking at these pages like this and thinking oh no i'm sad because i don't have this 
it's already a factor enough in terms of fairness. So when we're young, when we're very young, infants and toddlers, well, toddlers, not infants, toddlers, you as an infant, but as toddlers and they're starting to learn to speak and they're saying it's either or, black or white, good guys, bad guys, because that's all the brain can really handle is this concrete either or. As you grow, you start to see it's not just good or bad, it's there's a lot of gray in life. And for some people, that balance, it's difficult for them to ever come to terms with life's not so black and white. There's a lot of gray there. And I think one thing that parents could be really mindful of based off what you're talking about is what if your children are, you know, engage them, listen to them, learn about them, because they might be watching the internet and saying, oh no, it's not fair. And and that's what I was getting at is there's a lot of innate desire for teenagers to have things to be literally fair. And what's interesting is I always said this, it's not that you want things to be actually fair because if you, I, I remember a young man saying to me one time, he said, things, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. He's a teenager. I was a school counselor at the time. And I said, I don't think you want things to be fair. He said, I want things to be fair. I want, I want things to be fair. And I said, well, think about this. There are kids who are your age who don't have their eyesight. So if you want things to be fair, then we should take away your eyesight. There are kids who have, uh, you know, suffering with going through horrific things and you're not suffering with those things. So if you really want things to be fair, then, and when he started to think about that way, he said, well, no, I don't want it that way. I said, so what is it that you want? Well, what you really want is just whatever Johnny had right there. That's really what you wanted. And we got down to it. So that idea of fairness, that's, that's a big idea. Um, look, you're a teenager. There are parents and grandparents out there listening. What's your advice for parents and, and grandparents out there listening as we wind this show down? Um, I wanted, I just want to wrap it up and say that um, verbal communication with um, in, in, the, in the entire family is crucial to um, make, um, helping um, lower um, rates of acting out on the Internet. Um, cause it, you really, you should, um, the more, the more you talk openly with your child, not coming at them, but, um, approaching with compassion and kindness, the more, um, the more that they can feel validated and that they won't lash out on the internet. And then they'll feel safe and they'll be able to open up. Right. That's awesome. I love that advice. I love my co-host. <laughs> I love my host. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, listen, this is every week. We're going to continue to talk about these issues. We're going to continue to try to bring light and compassion. We're going to tr try to help you figure out whatever it is that you need to figure out. You're always welcome to call in. The number is 866-391-1020. The dollar bank instant access is kdkradio.com. And you can text us at 866-391-1020 on the right automotive text line. That's the best deal in Pittsburgh. I was, this is probably my, so it's one of the most fun things in the world for me as a father to have my daughter here with me. It's been really just an honor because I'm so proud of her. Kaya, I'm so proud of you and who you are. Thank you. I'm Look, proud to have you as my dad. Thank you very much. I think that if you want peace in your life, you've got to practice peace. And more than anything, as always for me, I certainly wish you much peace. This is Emotional Management on KDKA Radio. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.